I'm always excited to get a chance to speak, uh, share the word with you. Uh, we are wrapping up a series called Well Done. Um, we're talking about glorifying God, the art of glorifying God in the day-to-day. And uh, it's been a powerful series. <coughs> Today is kind of a follow-up, it's kind of a part two to what Tim talked about last week. Uh, Tim gave us kind of a biblical list, kind of a biblical-based menu of different items that, that we can use to help grow our faith. He talked about different ways that we can pray and worship and fellowship and, and read the Bible. And uh, I hope you guys have done better than I have this week on putting that out into application. Um, but, but Tim gave us a great menu, and he really focused on, on kind of the how we grow our spiritual lives, how we grow our spiritual health. And uh, today I'm going to focus on the why. And, uh, and looking at why we should be motivated to grow in our faith. And uh, obviously, uh, looking at me, you can tell I'm going to use some gym analogies here. I got fewer laughs than I thought, and I'm, I guess I appreciate that. Um, I don't know if you guys are like me. If you've ever signed up for multiple gyms before, um, one of the things that they do when you go in and they give you the sales pitch and everything um, you go into the gym, and they'll kind of show you the equipment, right? They'll, they'll walk you around the whole gym and say, you know, here's where the free weights are. Here's this machine, and we'll show you how to use it so you're not that guy, like, you know, not using the machine properly that everybody makes fun of. And, you know, here's the classroom area. Here's where you get your water. Here's the shower, you know, all that kind of, they'll kind of give you the lay of the land, when you first walk in the gym, they'll give you the tour so that when you walk in, you know, okay, here, here's what I'm going to do. These are probably the exercises I need to do. This is the area I'll probably be in. This is aerobics. I'll stay clear from there. Like, <laughs> you, you walk in and you get a lay of the land. And, and so if last week was Tim kind of showing you around the gym and, and showing you how to use the equipment so that you can grow... This week is kind of that second part of what they do when you sign up for a gym membership. And this is a really, really underrated part. They, they typically, if it's a good gym, they'll typically sit down with you and say, okay, why are you here? What, what is it that you're looking to achieve? Like, what brought you in? What is it that helps motivate you to get healthy? And, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today because that part of getting healthy, the understanding why, I think is pivotal. My last gym blew it on this part. So I signed up in uh, January. Uh, I kind of missed, I, I needed something new for a workout. Um, I kind of missed the old days of being a catcher um, in, in you know, high school baseball and stuff and like the contact there. And uh, I was a wrestler, uh, mostly because I liked the singlet. Did you get me? No, I, I, I was a wrestler in high school for a little bit, did okay. Um, got a couple people wiped the mat with me, but I had fun. Um, but I kind of miss that contact. I kind of miss just being able to pour all your energy out into something and, and kind of getting that feel back. And so I was looking through at different stuff and um, I found a kickboxing gym. And obviously, I am the next Van Dam. I am the next. I mean, when you 
when you see this, Jean-Claude Van Damme obviously comes to mind. <laughs> um, now, I, I thought, man, what? that's awesome. Like, the idea of being able to learn how to throw a solid punch, the, the whole idea of um, you know, learning how to balance and, and stretch and flex and, and just utilizing your strength, like, and the idea that you get to put that energy out into something else was really, really appealing to me. So I signed up for this kickboxing gym. Okay, that was rough. Um, now, so I, I'd gone for a couple months, and uh, one of the instructors pulled me aside. She says, hey, we got to have a talk with you. And I was like, look, I know I can't keep up with everybody else. And you hear me wheezing over in the corner. I promise I'll never throw up again. Um, she goes, it's not that, but thank you. Um, she goes, actually, it's kind of the opposite. We need you to dial it down a notch. And I was like, wait, what? What? And she goes, so, so here's kind of the thing, like, when you're doing your punches and kicks and stuff, it's like, it's really, really aggressive. And I was like, okay, like, I am in kickboxing. Like, it says kickboxing, like, like that's the point, right? And, and she said the worst possible thing that she could say to me. Took all my motivation away. She goes, you know this is like an aerobics class, right? It's like, And I'm looking around, and I'm like, yeah, this kind of looks like an aerobics crowd. I should have guessed that. Um, but they totally took away any of my motive. I think I went back a couple more times, and I'm like, I'm not here to, like, I, like, I want to throw some punches. I want to kick. I'm a kick puncher, not an aerobics-er. And... Um, and it's just really tough to go back. So I cancel my membership. I'm looking for a new place where, hey, you can actually throw some punches, you can throw some kicks or whatever, like some place where they're not going to be intimidated by somebody, you know, grunting in the corner because they're trying their hardest. And it's, a, it's important that we understand our motivators for why. Because if we lose those motivators, sometimes it's really, really easy for us to lose that growth. I've stalled, stalled in my workouts, stalled in my health, stalled in a lot of my goals with my physical health. And a lot of that is because um, I kind of lost that motivation. And, and spiritually speaking, I think we, we tend to run into the same issue. And, and so that's where the gym analogy comes in. We're, we're going to pour into Ephesians 4. I like Ephesians 4 as a motivator. Um, there are literally thousands of verses that can motivate us to grow closer in our faith with Christ. Um, and, and different people have different motivators. There's a great book on the subject called Octalysis and Gamification by the guy who created Farmville. Uh, he, he did his doctorate on how to motivate people because he was really good at it. Um, he knows how to get, keep you playing, what motivates people to get you playing. And he actually did a doctoral thesis. We saw him speak on it. And it basically breaks down, it gets a little bit more detail than this. I'll, I'll give you a link to the book later if you want. But it basically breaks down into, uh, we have positive motivators and negative motivators. We have intrinsic motivators and extrinsic motivators. And, and so understanding where your motivators come from um, is an important part of growth. And I think that applies to our spiritual growth as well. How do we connect with God? Why do we want to grow in our faith with God? 
And, and so keeping that in the back of my mind, I, I like Ephesians 4 because Ephesians 4 does a couple things in this passage as far as motivating us in our growth. Um, it does a couple things really well. One, um, it, it, it paints in broad strokes in a wide variety of areas. It, it can't possibly hit everything. But it paints in some pretty broad strokes that I, I think are pretty all-encompassing. And it has a good balance of understanding that what motivates you is also what motivates us. And it has a really good balance of understanding that our spiritual growth is part of something much, much larger. Uh, so that's kind of why I decided to park in Ephesians 4. Uh, we're going to be going through 116 today. Um, we can get better at pleasing God. Here's why we should. Uh, let's read Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Amen. Amen. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Ephesians 4. And if you want to take notes, there's the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, we have the notes uh, up and live with a couple extra things in there. Um, just click on the home screen there on the YouVersion app. Bottom right corner, it says more events. This is uh, week four, part two uh, on that list. So going through this passage. First up, when it comes to why we should grow our faith, why we should grow spiritually. First up, God has high expectations for us. God believes in you. You should believe in you as well. 
God believes in you. First and foremost, right out of the gate, God believes in you. God has given you a calling to something higher, to grow. If nothing else today, the fact that God has asked you to grow is a great place to start for our motivation to grow. He believes in you. He's called you to grow. You should believe in yourself and your ability to grow as well. He's given us faith, and faith is a response to who God expects us to be. Faith is a response to who God expects us to be. Don't sell yourself short. How many of us are like this? How many of us so often are our own worst cheerleader? How many of us are always the person that's the most critical of us? Taking away, if we're taking away some of these stumbling blocks, if we're, taking, if we're looking at motivation and we're taking away some of these stumbling blocks today, recognizing first and foremost that we can be our own worst stumbling block is a great place to start. And, and I think we do this because it's so easy to define ourselves by our sins and our failures. We call ourselves by our sins and our failures. God calls us what? His children. And, and sometimes it's easy to get caught up in our sins and our failures and let that be our definition. And we forget verses like Romans 5. It says, um, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. While you were still a sinner, at your furthest point away from God, God wanted you to grow enough that he sent his son to die for you. At the furthest you have ever felt from God, at the least motivated you have ever felt to grow in your faith or your walk with God, God sent Christ to die for you. At your worst, God believes in you enough to send His Son to die for you. When Jesus is talking to His disciples and, he, and He's preaching the Word, He uses the parable of the mustard seed, the, the smallest little seed out there. And I think he does that for a good reason, is sometimes it's tough to see the potential in, in something small, and sometimes we, we feel small, right? We, we feel like we're so unhealthy when it comes to our relationship with God. And God knows that e even just the smallest mustard seed has the potential to take over like a mustard plant does. One of my favorite theologians, the great Dallas Willard, put it this way, he, he kind of reframed this whole idea of, of how, we, um, how we see ourselves. You know, God sees us as full of potential. And, and when we see ourselves, and, and God calls us to see ourselves clearly, my absolute favorite passage in the Bible, Romans 12, 3, consider yourself a sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. When you see yourself clearly, you see yourself in the context of the faith that you have. And, and a lot of times, you know, tripping up on this whole idea of, of sin and failure, Dallas Willard said it this way, a lot of times we think of God's grace in, in terms of sinner and the saint. What's important to realize is that the saint, and I love the way he says this, the saint burns through God's grace like a jet burns through fuel on takeoff. 
The saint burns through God's grace like a jet burns through God, like a jet burns through fuel on takeoff. And, and understanding that's what God had in mind for us. God designed us to flow on His grace, to, to operate on His grace, to be propelled by His grace. Moving on to the next one. Uh, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Evidently, we each have faults. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, next up, we are, uh, as far as growing spiritually, we're expected to stumble together. We are expected to stumble together. We recognize our shortcomings, and then we move on. We admit we're not there yet, and so we go. Sometimes our stumbling block here is dwelling on other people's shortcomings. This is the pointing out the speck in your eye while being perfectly comfortable with the plank in mine. God is saying, look, we're not going to dwell there. We're going to travel together there. The other part of that, the, the getting a little too comfortable with our own shortcomings, what, what this passage is not saying like, okay, you have a shortcoming, and that's it. It's we're going to move on from there. We're going to grow. Some of us get a little too comfortable with our own shortcomings. Uh, a little preview. Uh, our next series is called Truish, And we're talking about statements that kind of sound true, but aren't necessarily true, like the San Diego Chargers are going to win a, play, or a Super Bowl. <laughs> not exactly true. Um, yeah, especially when they're not in San Diego anymore. Um, no, one, and, and uh, I'm going to be preaching one of the sermons in that series, and if you use the phrase, oh, it's just who I am, um, you might want to remove that from your lexicon right now. We are going to eviscerate that phrase. This whole idea of, oh, it's just who I am. So easy to get comfortable in our shortcomings. But we have this great motivator to change. We have this community that's built up around people that are changing together. We journey together so the shortcomings and the strengths work together. This is how they built the wall around Jerusalem, right? One person builds while the other person watches out. We have each other's backs. That's why it's so important for us to be a part of a church community. So many people want to, want to engage faith on their own and in isolation. And I understand that there's a time and a place for developing that personal relationship with God. But there's nothing that can substitute traveling together as a community of believers. A community that gives us a time and a place to grow in ways that we could not otherwise. As we travel as a community, we have this time to grow, time to grow. And for those of us that have been walking in the faith for a while, traveling in the community gives us a time to teach as well. It works together. And I'm going to park here for just a second. I'm going to step on my own toes and, and maybe some other toes out there. <clears throat> we stumble together 
If you've been stumbling together for a long time, there's probably some people that you can help out with their stumbling. If you're at a place where you've read every devotional guide at Barnes & Noble, it might be time to get your head out of a book and into somebody's life. There's a time to grow and a time to teach, and that is the reason why we travel together. Next up, we have a clear, singular purpose. I love this one. There's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. What are you about? One thing. All the rest are details. What I love about this is is we can see this illustrated in this room. Like the varying interests that we have, the backgrounds that we have, the talents that we have, the personalities that we have, the triumphs and the struggles that we have, just represented in this room alone. What's the one thing that could bring us all together? God. What's the one force that can bring all people together that's strong enough to bond us together? All of us. It's God. A lot of times we mistake this and we stumble up here by trying to bond with each other. And I get why that looks good. Like, you're cool, I want to be cool, so I'm going to hang out with you. But that doesn't necessarily, that's not a relationship dependent upon God. It's like this. If you started over there in the room, and, somebody, and your friends started over here in the room, and God is present right here, up front, Right? If you say, hey, I'm going to focus on growing closer to this person, that relationship does not necessarily have to do with the proximity of God. But if you say, I'm over here, and I'm going to grow closer to God, and you're over here, and I'm going to grow closer to God, and I'm over here, and I'm going to grow closer to God, what happens is all of you move closer to God, that bond becomes stronger. That's the power of a singular purpose in our community. There's also a lot of joy in the crowd moving together. Um, You guys may know this about me. I go to Padre games. Um, I know, surprising. People's jaws just on the floor here. Um, One of my favorite moments at a Padres game, you know, it's eighth inning, crowd's kind of quiet. And there's some kid there that's just really, really excited to be at a Padres game, right? You know, he's down there chasing after every foul ball. He's hopped up on cotton candy because his parents are awesome, unlike mine. Um, and so you got that kid, and he's like leaning over the, the, the railing, right? And it's just quiet at the stadium. And he's just like, let's go, Padres. Yeah. Right? What do you do? We already got it. We already got somebody doing it. Because you have to, right? If a kid start, if they're like 12 and under and they start at the chant, you have to help out, right? And, and so you got the kid, let's go, Padres, looking around. You know, there's a big crowd. Next thing you know, there's the guy in the like Padres Lucha Libre mask. Let's go, Padres, right? And then what does everybody else do? Everybody else starts chiming in, right? Next thing you know, a whole section 117 is standing up. Let's go, Padres. And then the organ player. Right? And the people up in upstairs, 
in, in the media center, right? Like you hear over the loudspeakers, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> now the whole stadium is chanting, let's go Padres. Why? We're traveling together with this kid who's excited. Right. Right? There's a ton of joy in traveling together. And, and here's the thing. The Padre game, despite all the great concessions and the views and all the, the frilly stuff that goes on there because the team is terrible, fundamentally, <laughs> fundamentally, and I understand this isn't the perfect analogy, but fundamentally we're all there to cheer on the Padres, Right? We're all together here. That's the power of having a singular purpose together in the church. We're all here to grow God's kingdom. And, and so as you know, somebody celebrates this here, we all celebrate. We all chime in. We see a picture of a family getting baptized. We all get excited. Why? We're all together here. This is part of that singular purpose that we have. What a great motivator to grow our own faith. I want to be a part of that. Up next, God gave our gifts for the benefit of His kingdom. He gave these gifts uh, to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. His gift is our responsibility. His gift is our responsibility. We talked about this not that long ago with the parable of the talents. God gives out the talents. God gives out the gifts. He expects a return. We have a responsibility to our God to take whatever it is that He's given with us. He's given us. Take whatever it is he's given us and to use that to glorify his kingdom and build his kingdom. Not keep his kingdom here and safe and okay. Build his kingdom. God is a builder and we have a responsibility to use our gifts to build. What I love about this is it creates a sense of ownership. This is God's kingdom, and, and He's allowed me to be a part of this, so I'm going to do the best that I can to use my gifts to help His kingdom uh, build and to grow and to thrive. And here's the, here's the interesting part. Because so many of us have so many different gifts, there's only a select few people that can do what you can do. Um, I did door-to-door sales for two weeks. It was <laughs> awful um in that two-week time period there's a much much longer story that i can't tell from a a pulpit area um one of the things that happened we stumbled upon some uh, um an illegal operation going on and uh, i handed that off to a guy i knew at church who worked for the nsa and um the FBI in, ended up investigating it, and then they uh, did a stakeout, and they ended up busting a bunch of people because of what we found. And of course, my response is, I want to join the FBI. Because <laughs> I want to do that. And he said, no, um, we typically use people that have been there before. We typically use former criminals to go do those kind of undercover operations because they know the lay of the land. Here's the cool part about the sin in your life. 
The sin in your life uniquely qualifies you to go undercover somewhere else in somebody else's life. And if you don't do it, who will? Uh, my first church I worked at, um, things didn't always go smoothly on Sunday mornings. And we had a Sunday morning where we're all looking at each other going, um, who's leading worship? And we worked down the list of our worship leaders. And, you know, the main person was sick. The next, like, 32 people were out of town. And so the leaders of the church go, DJ. For the record, I've been asked never to lead worship at a church. <laughs> there is singing to the glory of God, and there's what I do. I come from my dad's school of uh, singing from your heart, and maybe not with your mouth. But that day, I was the person in the room most equipped to do it, so I did it. Made sure there was no recording of it, and made everybody sign non-disclosures. But it happened. It's terrifying. But you may not be gifted, but you may be the most gifted person in the room. You may not be gifted, but you may be the most gifted person in the room. And 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 here's what this is a reminder of. Our focus should be on the giver, not the gift. The gift of speaking isn't for the speaker so that you can speak about God. The gift of teaching isn't for the teacher so you can teach about God. The gift of listening isn't about the listener. It's about listening to God. It's the gift about just filling the blank. It's not about filling the blank. It's about God. What I like about this is knowing our role in the kingdom. The greater we know our role, um, the better we understand our value to the kingdom. It's not about me, but I have a place here. I'm doing something worthwhile. And I'm doing something that pleases God. When we know our role, when we know our gifts, and when we're growing our gifts and our talents and we're challenging ourselves with the opportunities God presents us, uh, we know our value. Not our value. Our value to Him. Up next, our story is part of a much, much larger story. It's part of His much larger story. The same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. That's a big task. God has a vision for his creation. It's to fill it with himself. And he's had this vision for a long time. John, the book of John starts off with the word is God and the word was with God from the beginning. God has had this plan for a long, long time. The story that God has been writing and authoring and tweaking and, and adjusting over the course of time has been going on 
much, much longer than our story has. It is much, much bigger than ourselves. And it's centered around Him. Why do we grow? Because the story is about Him and it's centered around Him. So I want to grow closer to Him. Our invitation is to join in that story. He's the potter, we're the clay. Um, I hope you guys know this about me. Uh, my favorite movie is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Be excellent, you know? Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Awesome. I said that in a sermon, finally. Um, what you may not know is they're filming Bill and Ted 3. I could not be more excited about this. My favorite movie for the past 30 years. They're filming a third. It looks awesome. I signed up to be an extra. <laughs> Not a joke. They did a lot of filming in Louisiana. I saw they were doing filming at San Dimas High School, which is awesome. If you know the movie, you know why that's cool. I said, I will be there. I'll be a guy in the crowd rocking on to the Wild Stallions. I'll be a pizza guy. I'll walk in the back of the sh- Whatever you need me to do, I will be there. Because I want to be part of Bill and Ted 3. I'll let the movie come out. And you can see if that happened or not. It didn't. Um, (laughs) Still excited about the movie though. But here's the deal. I'm totally fine being an extra in Bill and Ted's. uh, Bill and Ted 3 Face the Music. Coming out in 2020. I'm totally fine being an extra in that movie, and that movie not being about me. It's a movie about Bill and Ted and a time-traveling phone booth, and let it be about that. If the movie was about me, it would be lame. (laughs) I understand my role is a background extra, if I make it. I didn't. When we understand that our role is an extra in the background... Um, well, it takes a lot of pressure off of us. That's right. um, we recognize that our job is to do that role well. It, it is to be an extra in the background well. You know, don't be the stormtrooper that bumps his head coming in. That's my Star Wars reference for Rich Wang. Um, you know, in a movie with no extras is just weird, mm-hmm. right? It's important, you know, Avengers the whole New York scene, if nobody's running away in the streets, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Well, not a big deal. But those, those people give that story that extra value, right? You, you see the application for people that aren't necessarily the main part of the story. Uh, one of my favorite speakers um, said it like this. He goes, imagine playing a violin and you're playing this beautiful melody And as you get better and better and better at playing the melody, you realize that you're part of a much larger orchestra that's already playing this beautiful song. That's what growing in our faith is like. Maybe we're fourth chair violin, but if we're playing along to a beautiful concert, we're part of something amazing. One more Star Wars reference. Um, What I love about this... Um, there's a group of robotics guys that built their own droid. They built their own R2-D2 because they were fans. 
They just liked it. They, they weren't a, a part of anything big. They just they liked robotics. They liked Star Wars, so they built their own R2-D2. They, they had remote control for them and everything. In the last trilogy, J.J. Abrams invited them to be the guys that built the R2-D2 and operated the R2-D2 in the movie. So they went from just being fans and being extras. They were perfectly fine over here just tinkering around in their garages and doing this because of the love. And J.J. Abrams saw that and he said, well, why don't we put you in the movie? Why don't we get you doing the actual thing here? How awesome is that as a fan of Star Wars to go from from being somebody here in the background, a fan, I appreciate this, and, and I like to, and, and it's an important in my life, to actually being a part of this larger narrative, right? And I think God does the same thing for us. The Bible's chock full of people who are just extras. And they were a really good extra. They did their role really well, so well, that God calls them into a much larger role in that story. What a great motivation to be a great extra. There may be a chance that someday this story does, take a, uh, does have an opportunity for me to have a speaking role. And so I'm going to prepare now for that, right? We have a responsibility to know our part in the story. Next up, on why we should grow in our spiritual walk. The goal is spiritual maturity. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up into the full and complete standard of Christ. Let me, guys, take a deep breath real quick. Say something that's going to take a lot of stress off your plate. Ready? Christ is the standard for maturity. Not you. Not the devotional. Not the speaker. Not the influencer. Christ. Christ is our standard for maturity. And what this does for me, and I hope what this does for you, is this this frees me from comparison. Well, so-and-so obviously has such a great walk with God. I, I can never be like them. Or, have you seen this guy? At least I'm not like him. Right? We free ourselves from co- the comparison to other people. And we start comparing ourselves to the one true God and, and Christ, His Son. And, and, and we measure that growth. What, what that does is that allows us to measure the growth a little bit uh, by our faith and our knowledge of Christ. Not by, well, I've obviously done more serving than anybody else in this room, so bonus Jesus points for me here. Right? We, 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 take, away this, we take away our comfort a little bit, but we also free ourselves from the standard of saying, um, it's about the task that I've done, and we start looking at it's the faith that I have. It's the knowledge that I have in Jesus. That's how I measure my growth. And what's cool about this is uh, it gives us the ability uh, to encourage others. It's a we will be mature thing, right? Um, something else I like this, it points out that maturity is a process. 
Maturity is a process. Maturity is the ability to look back without getting stuck in the past. Um, maturity, and something else that this does when we talk about using Christ uh, as our guideline for maturity, um, and hopefully this appeals to my Dave Ramsey people in here, we're going to talk snowballing a little bit. Because I don't think the expectation is for us to be like Christ right now. I think the expectation is for us to grow in the direction of Christ. And so here's what this does for me. It says, we're going to take the first thing, we're going to line up all the places where I can grow in my maturity and my faith, and we're going to take the first thing, the easiest thing, and we're going to work there. Patience for me is an issue, right? That's a, that's a big, big, big debt to tackle. So maybe my way of starting on patience is going with, I need to encourage people more, right? That's, that's the first thing. That's the first debt that I need to work on. And Dave Ramsey speak, you know, in the snowball, right? You knock out your, your smallest debt first, then the next smallest debt, then the next smallest debt. Maybe maturity in Christ works the same way. Maybe the easiest way for us to tackle that big, big thing in our lives that's holding us back from, from our potential of being mature like Christ is that we're trying to get the big and we need to, we need to start on that small and go and recognize that it's a process. It's also a call to keep moving. It's a call to grow. It's a, it's a call to keep rolling that snowball. And what's cool about that Actual snowballs going down a hill, it's kind of fun. You, know, you get something big going, and you're like, all right, let's hop on in. Let's do this. It becomes a powerful, powerful force. Next up, why do we grow in our faith? So we can stand strong in the midst of trials. Um, I'm just going to assume I'm the only person in the room that has trials with faith. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to speak to me on this one. Um, it says, we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like him. We grow in our faith. We grow in our walk. Um, because we're going to be tested. We're going to be tested. God's going to allow us to experience things that we cannot handle on our own. God's going to allow us to experience things that we can't handle on, us, on, on our own with the, with the expectation that in those moments we lean on Him. God will give you more than you can handle. I don't care what all the arts and crafts at Hobby Lobby say. God will give you more than you can handle because He expects you to lean on Him. Now, here's the fun part about growing. He also delights when we stand on our own. If you thought you were going to get through a whole sermon from me without a reference to my boys, uh, sorry. Uh, the over-under was 30 minutes, so I got the over on that. Um, I, Henry just started walking a couple months ago. I yeah, yeah, is right. Thank you. Um, I loved holding his hand while he did this, right? And navigated from one thing to another. 
And that was fun. I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I have an expectation of him to grow. And now that he is Godzilla and running and jumping off the couch and tackling his brother, most of that I delight in. I delight in watching him stand on his own. And and so there's a time and a place for God, for for us to lean wholly into God and say, God, I absolutely cannot do any of this on my own. I also believe part of spiritual growth is God delighting and saying, God, look at what you taught me how to do. Look at how you taught me to stand in this storm. Look at how much you've built me up. Next up, our words need to reflect our Christ. All right, let's step on some toes. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. All right, key phrase here. I want you to repeat after me. Speak truth. Speak truth. Speak truth in love. Do you see the difference? Our ability to speak truth in love reveals our spiritual maturity. Our ability to speak truth in love, which is the goal here, reveals our maturity. James 1 has a whole chapter dedicated to how important it is to watch our tongue and to tame our tongue. And what we say communicates so much. When we speak the truth in love, it says two things. We know God, truth, And we care about others. Love. And this is why Christ is the head of our body. This is why we all follow Christ. He was the best at this. When he spoke about God, he knew God the best. When he spoke about truth, he knew the truth. When he spoke about love, he knew about love. He has a unique knowledge of God. That's his truth. And he was able to care for and love others in a way that no one else ever could. That's his love. We function as a body of Christ to put this into action. We are people that speak truth in love. And we cannot do that unless we are growing in our spiritual maturity. Lastly, when we grow, the body grows. When the body grows, the body thrives. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work that helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We grow so that his body is healthy. If we're looking for a motivator, we care about Christ, so we care about his body. You want another truish statement to blow apart? I love Jesus, not the church. There's no Jesus without the church. There's no church without Jesus. If you care about Christ, you care about His body. If you care about His body, you care about the head of the body. Great motivator to grow. I grow because I care about Christ. And I grow because I care about this body. Our health affects the health of others. Ah, I'm going to start over again on that one. <laughs> Our health affects the health of others. Nothing happens in isolation. Another truer statement to blow apart? Well, it's fine. It doesn't hurt anybody but just me. 
garbage. If nothing else, it takes away from your ability to bless others. Nothing happens in isolation. We all travel together. When you hurt, the body hurts. When you hold back, the body's held back. When you grow, the body grows. When you excel, when you own what God has given you, when you own the call that God has given you and you own the gifts that God has given you, when you own the, part, the fact that you have a role in this kingdom, the rest of the kingdom is blessed. This doesn't happen in isolation. My prayer is that we could be a church of no weak muscles. Imagine that. Imagine that. We're going to make a turn to communion here in a second, so I'm going to invite the band up. Just a couple of thoughts I want to leave you with. I believe that God loves you where you're at right now. But I also believe that it pleases Him to see you grow in your faith. God loves you at where you're at right now, and He wants to see you grow. And the beauty... It, the beauty of this doesn't come from our brokenness or our weakness. The beauty comes from what God does in that time of growth in weakness and brokenness. Let's say that again. The beauty doesn't come from our brokenness. The beauty comes from what God does in the mix of our brokenness, our weakness, and our desire to grow. And so in the name of Jesus, let us grow closer to our Lord. Let us be people that are absolutely dedicated to growing closer to God. May we understand why we want to grow closer to God. So in those days when we're excited, we know how to share what's got, what God is doing in our lives and why we're so stoked to fulfill His Word in this kingdom. And on those days where we're stumbling, we have that reminder. We, we know where to go. I need to get back to this so get me back on fire for living out and growing my faith like God has called me to do. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for this communion time. We're thankful for the call to grow. God, we're thankful that you didn't call us to stand still. You didn't call us just to accept where we're at. And God, whatever it is today that motivates us to grow, God, whether it's it's something in ourselves or something in our community, whether it's the, the, the fear of missing out on something, God, or the excitement for accomplishing something big in your name, God, whatever it is, I pray that we would take hold of that motivation, God, that we would uh, use it to your glory. And God, as we break bread together, as we commune together, we think about, uh, God, this, your son at the center of all of this and our love for him. In your son's holy name we pray, amen.